Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of December 9th through the 15th. Uh, we have a number of things going on this week, including a full moon in Gemini, uh, a planetary ingress of Mercury into its exile in Sagittarius, uh, a number of Venus aspects where Venus is going to be conjoining both Saturn and Pluto over the course of the week in Capricorn. Um, and then the, uh, the non-lunar aspects of the week that we have remaining are Mars trining Neptune and a very uh, liberating and exciting Jupiter trine Uranus at the end of the week. So those are all the things that we're going to be getting to and trying to cover. It's a lot of ground to cover, but we will uh, explore with, uh, with our open minds and open hearts, hopefully, and, and do the best that we can. Essential dignities for the week. The sun is moving through the second decan of Sagittarius at the beginning of the week, where it has triplicity rulership by day, um, and then moving into the third decan of Sagittarius, where it also retains triplicity rulership by day, because the sun is the diurnal ruler of the fire signs, uh, and triplicity being uh, associated with the elements and the the winds. So this is kind of like the sun has the wind in its sails by day. So it's it may be a, a time where we have a, a better ability to express ourselves, to issue commands in a in a healthy way, where we're going to get the support of our community for shining our light, for um, expressing our our intellect and our our deepest uh, selves, and and whatever makes us uh, identify with spirit and soul as well. Um, Jupiter is, uh, of course, had just has just moved into its fall in Capricorn, a place where it's not super comfortable. Where it's it's uh, instead of being in its home domicile of Sagittarius, where it was had all the resources it needed to expand and be visionary and create bridges and confirm, uh, growth has slowed down a little bit. Uh, Jupiter is hanging out in the Temple of Saturn. And the Temple of Saturn is a place where uh, to get things done, we need to do the things that are necessary rather than the things that we potentially desire or hope for. We may have to get down to business and do some of the dirty work, roll up our sleeves, uh, consolidate, let go, um, work within a set of limitations. Uh, it, you know, Jupiter also has dignity by face from the first 10 degrees, so it is in its own Deccan, which can lend some support. Um, I have a good Jupiter uh, story, which really actually tends to, will, will kind of uh, coincide with that, uh, you know, being in the terms of Mercury. I thought that was interesting. It, Jupiter's in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees, but in its own face, right? Um, I recently have been kind of purging my budget of, you know, excessive things like services that I don't need, uh, subscriptions to like, I don't know, like, um, you know, online TV and stuff that I don't ever watch. Uh, and, you know, did a real evaluation of where my resources were going and, you know, found that I was paying way too much for my cellular service uh, at, with a company that I'd been with for a long time, a very big corporate company and um, had been sticking with it because I'd been grandfathered in with this unlimited data plan or something like that. And uh, if I had changed plans with the same company, um, I would have lost my phone number. So I had been resisting for a long time and, and 
uh, recently when Jupiter moved right into Capricorn, I was like, I've had enough of this. I need to really do the research to figure out a different solution. Um, actually talked to a friend who gave me some good advice about uh, one of these smaller companies that uh, uses the same cellular network as the bigger companies, but charges you way less and ended up making the switch and retaining my phone number and saving myself um, quite a substantial amount of money over the course of a year. I was paying a ridiculous amount of money for, for basically the same service I could have gotten for uh, substantially less. And I thought that was just a great example of Jupiter and Capricorn bringing you benefit by consolidating or letting something go, by setting a limitation, by, saying, by trimming the fat you actually bring yourself a benefit. And I thought that was, it was just a beautiful expression of Jupiter moving into Capricorn. Um, so I would encourage you to really take a look at if you have any excesses in your life over the course of this Jupiter Capricorn period and realize that the, the way forward, the way to uh, renewed growth is possibly through uh, that letting go, that consolidation, that coming to terms with limitation and through really getting real and sober about what your dreams are and what your needs are and how you're going to move forward in your life. By me taking a sober look at my actual outlay of resources, I was able to let go of something that, I, that wasn't serving me. And I think that that's gonna be the way to gracefully navigate Jupiter and Capricorn, I think, from, from a, you know, a perspective of you know, trying to, do that energy correctly. Um, and there is no right or wrong way to, to do a, a planet. Um, it just kind of is, right? Uh, but I think that going with the, the flow of uh, what is required of you rather than resisting, I think can make the experience more pleasant or enjoyable. And I, and I think that that is a, a kind of a, a very important um, benefit from studying astrology is learning when to go with a certain planetary, excuse me, planetary energy and not resisting the flow of the times because time has quality. Uh, it has a vintage like a wine. And if we understand what the vintage of the time is, um, we are able to bring ourselves into alignment with it uh, more, I think, more easily than if we just were ignorant of what, what was going on. So that's my little anecdote of Jupiter and Capricorn. If you have some stories, and I hope that you do, maybe uh, <laughs> I like sharing our consolidation stories. I, I get really excited about when, when people are actually letting go of things that they don't need anymore. But if you've got a story like that, share it in the comments below. And it's, it's inspirational. I hope that uh, that will inspire you and um, your stories will inspire others as well. Okay. So Saturn, of course, is, is still in the second decade of Capricorn. It moves at a snail's pace. Uh, it is in the face of Mars right now and in the terms of Venus. So, you know, we've got a, a Saturn that is still very powerful, uh, that is helping us to come to terms with some of the things in our life that need to be let go of, some of the boundaries, depending on how it functions in your chart. Now, this is something that is important to, to realize is that you to really understand how the planets are going to be working for you by transit and whatnot, uh, you need to understand if you have a, uh, a diurnal or a nocturnal chart, 
Um, in a day chart, Saturn is probably going to function slightly better because it is of the day sect. In a night chart, Saturn may prove to be a little bit more problematic. It may be the limitations that you have to work through may feel more oppressive. Um, you know, some of the coldness and isolation and distance that is mitigated when you have Saturn in a day chart by the heat of the day uh, could feel very, um, very slow, oppressive, uh, cold if you have it in a night chart. So this is something to examine in your own chart and see how Saturn is functioning for you. Overall, though, uh, a, a malefic planet tends to bring somewhat better outcomes when it is in good, good condition, rather than acting erratically and inconsistently and, you know, potentially malevolently when it is in a debility. Okay, so that's Saturn. Venus is hanging out with Saturn this week as well uh, and going to be making a conjunction to it on Wednesday as well as with Pluto. Uh, it has triplicity rulership by the daytime. Venus is the diurnal ruler of the Earth signs, so it has some communal support by day. And it's also going to be in its own terms uh, from 14 degrees to 22 degrees and then moving into the terms of Saturn at the end of the week. So when a planet is in its own terms, it's able to kind of set its own curriculum. Uh, it is working within, you know, kind of almost like it's self-employed. I have a Venus that is in its own terms that is ruling my midheaven. And in general, I've been able to set the curriculum for the classes that I teach and, and have a, a lot of experience with self-employment. So there's a, a kind of a, an autonomy that comes along when a planet is in its own terms. So we're going to see that with Venus at the beginning of the week. Mars is moving through the second, uh, the second decan of Scorpio. I wrote down Virgo, but I just forgot the little tail. Yeah, the second decan of Scorpio here, um, where it has rulership by domicile and triplicity rulership at night, Mars being the, the triplicity ruler of the, of the water signs at night. Remember with elemental rulership, we have uh, one planet ruling by day and one planet ruling by night. Um, Mars is going to be in the terms of Mercury from 11 to 19 degrees. Mercury itself is going to be changing signs or ingressing into a new sign this week. It's going to be moving out of uh, Mars's temple of Scorpio and into Jupiter's temple of Sagittarius, uh, which is its exile. Uh, there were uh, certain planets that were sort of an antithesis to one another in traditional astrology, and they can be a little bit surprising when you first start studying it. And uh, Jupiter actually is somewhat of a, an opposite nature, not, not an, an exact opposite, but it sort of has an antithetical nature to uh, Mercury. Jupiter is representative of things that are big, expansive, unifying. Um, it brings things together in a bridging quality. It is uh, the judge, the cosmic judge, whereas Mercury is the lawyer. Mercury is, is the one that wants to argue and, and take a different perspective. It wants to separate things into categories, wants to communicate many different ideas. Uh, and when Mercury moves into Jupiter's sign, um, it's an uncomfortable place for the lawyer. If the lawyer is you know, becoming the judge, it's a little bit of a confusing place for, for Hermes, okay? Uh, so that is it's called its traditional exile. Um, it does have rulership by face in the first decan or the first 10 degrees, so it does have a little bit of dignity, and it will be on the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 12 degrees. 
Uh, we'll go in a little bit more depth on Mercury as we move through our week. Uh, the lunar report for the week is that the moon is going to start off in Taurus, which is its exaltation, where it has triplicity rulership by the night. The moon is the nocturnal ruler of the earth signs. It also has dignity by face and from 10 to 20 degrees, the second decan of, of uh, Taurus. So we'll have a pretty, pretty good moon at the beginning of the week, starting out in the gibbous phase, you know, moving into that, waxing into that full moon. We've got a, a moon that's increasing in light, which makes it more powerful and more able to bring things into manifestation, which is, are the types of things that the moon wants to do. It wants to bring things into being. Uh, so that is, it's a fertile moon at the beginning of the week. Uh, when the moon moves into Gemini, it does lose some dignity and becomes peregrine, which means it's a wandering star or a wandering planet uh, where it is a stranger in a strange land where it doesn't have any essential dignity. Uh, the moon then moves into Cancer, where it is that is its uh, domicile ruler, uh, rulership there in Cancer, where it also has dignity by face from 20 to 30 degrees. So the moon will improve its condition as it moves into Cancer, but it'll be starting to oppose uh, Saturn, Pluto, and Venus, and the South Node. So, you know, Cancer moons have been getting a little, been a little funky uh, over the last year or so because of that 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 stack up of those kind of challenging energies in Capricorn. Uh, generally, the the you know, Cancer moon would be a time where we feel really comfortable at home or like feel very nurturing. But since we we have this um, opposition to all those Capricorn planets. It may be a time of conflict and of, of limitation and of, you know, uh, some sort of no coming into the picture or, or a need to balance out two very disparate types of energies in our life with the domestic spheres and, and maybe the more public spheres in our life. Okay, and then at the end of the week, the moon is going to move into Leo where it is, again, peregrine without dignity. All right, so that is the essential dignity report for the week. Um... Let's start out with Monday. Let's share the screen here so you can see what we're looking at. Boom, shared. Okay, so this is Monday, December 9th. Uh, the first aspect of the day is in opposition from the moon to Mars at 13 degrees, very early in the morning, about four o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. Um, so we're going to be kind of, you know, maybe that creates some restlessness in our sleep where we're triggering some sort of action uh, potentially. Um, over the course of maybe the end of Sunday into, into early Monday morning, potentially we feel some sort of conflict or, or uh, need to balance the Scorpio or Taurus ruled area of our chart. Um, and then the big, the big thing of the day really is going to be Mercury ingressing into the sign of the, of the centaur or the archer uh, at 4.42 a.m. And if you remember, we have the first decan of Sagittarius associated with the Eight of Wands, which was called swiftness or speed or the poisoned arrow in 36 faces. Excuse me. And this Deccan was associated with uh, moving towards a goal, with having some kind of vision and taking, taking actionable steps towards it through motion, through speed. Uh, and this, you know, Mercury is also associated with swiftness and speed. Uh, and I think that this is one of the things wh where we have um, Mercury ruling this phase of this Deccan. So because we have a uh, very fast planet associated with movement, communication, swiftness, and speed uh, moving through that 
goal-orientated, action-orientated thing. We may be thinking about taking an action. We may be communicating our ideas to people. Uh, I would say that the the positive qualities of this placement could be uh, an, an optimism that is infectious, uh, where we are communicating our belief system, where we are you know mobilizing the support and resources uh, of of our peers to to move forward towards our chosen target. Um, now it does have a downside though because this is a planet in exile. This is a planet where it is in a foreign territory. It's in a a domicile that is where it's not really getting the the resources that it generally um, prefers. And we're talking about this with Jupiter being in in its fall, getting kind of a it's kind of a strange bedfellow with with Saturn resources. And with this, there's kind of almost an antithesis though with uh, Mercury and, and Jupiter. So one of the things that we can do with Mercury and Sagittarius is we can start to uh, be very evangelical about our beliefs. This is a, a placement where we may believe something so strongly that we feel like we need to uh, argue with people and bring them over to our side. We, like we have a crusade. It's not enough for us to pursue it ourselves. We need to, everybody needs to know about it and everybody needs to, you know, come over to our way of thinking. And that can create some conflict. Um, we also may be, uh, honest to a fault, you know, Jupiter um, and Sagittarius being associated with truth, and you may be trying to express your truth, and that could get you in some trouble as well. This is a, a foot and mouth kind of placement um, where you may not have uh, the quality of tact that Mercury normally has in other signs, where they're able to communicate something in a way in, that is flexible Another quality of you know Mercury is its flexibility, and it loses some of that I think in Sagittarius, where it it may become a little bit more inflexible and it may be trying to express uh, its own truth rather than you know listening to multiple perspectives and then making some sort of determination. So it, I think it one of the things that we can do and watch out for is you know first of all maybe thinking before we speak. Uh, maybe thinking about how our opinions and our vision um, might affect someone else without just blurting it out. That could be one way we could, you know, be a little bit more graceful during this transit. Um, listening is important too. This is a placement I've had some clients and some friends with this placement where they love to tell me all about what they believe and what their views are. But when it comes to listening to other people's viewpoints, they, that's not their strong suit. Um, so maybe slowing down and, and trying to take someone else's opinion into account before we get entrenched in our own position could be another way to, to successfully navigate this. Um, this is another placement where we can fall prey to dogmatic thinking. Uh, and of course, we, maybe we are attached to uh, a belief system and we are attached to the form that it takes rather than uh, getting to the essence of it. Um, and this is something where, you know, this is kind of the, one of the definitions of dogma is being, you know, attached to some sort of orthodox way of doing something because that's the way it is and that's the way it was written. And, you know, there's a fundamentalist kind of tendency with this placement where we say, well, this is, this is how it was written in this very ancient book and I'm going to, you know, I have to follow this rule, okay? 
Um, and I think we can get carried away with that with this placement too. So just those are the things to watch out for with Mercury and Sagittarius. Um, you may be more optimistic in your thinking though. This may be, like I said, that could be one of the benefits where, you know, it's moving out of a Mars ruled sign and we're expressing our um, Jupiterian optimism. And we may be expressing some of our ambition too, because Jupiter is in, in Capricorn in a Saturn ruled sign and it wants to build. We may be expressing our blueprint and how we want to build our lives. The issue that happens now, though, with Jupiter and Capricorn and Mercury and Sagittarius is these two planets are in a condition called aversion. Uh, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for Jupiter to provide for Mercury because of the it's in a blind spot. It's kind of like Mercury's hanging out in Jupiter's castle or Jupiter's temple, but Jupiter doesn't know that it's there. Jupiter itself may be uh, in, uh, in, you know, in a poor condition, being in Saturn's temple. Uh, it's, it's busy getting rid of things, and it might not be able to provide for that Sagittarian-ruled area of your chart um, because it's, it's got its own kind of, you know, its own job to do right now, and it's not necessarily a fun one. So that may be a little bit of a damper on our enthusiasm. Um, so it's not an awesome Mercury, but it's something where if I think if we are conscientious about the types of impulses that we may have, that's what I like to think about with astrology, uh, is there's just new impulses that may be flowing through us. There may be new, it's kind of like the weather um, where we are channeling some of these energetic things and we may be more inclined to act in a certain way. And I think that that, that um, observational awareness in the moment that realization is what's going to you know potentially help us move more towards pronoia uh, having a little bit of foreknowledge to make a better decision and moving us a little bit away from a non-k which is the decisions that we make in ignorance all right so that is mercury in sagittarius uh the moon is going to be making a couple of uh, other aspects on monday it's going to be sextiling Neptune uh, from Taurus to uh, Pisces for, at 15 degrees at about 9.20 in the morning. It is then going to be making a trine to Venus in Capricorn at about 11 a.m. Uh, and then it's going to be trining Saturn uh, in the afternoon around 3 o'clock and also making a trine to Pluto at 8.12 p.m. at 21 degrees. So we may be, you know, experiencing this kind of like visionary quality at the beginning of our day, uh, you know, with some positive aspects. There's generally positive aspects for this day. So this may be where we're in that very hopeful stage of Mercury moving into Sagittarius, and we're seeing some of the benefits of putting our plans into action, and that could help us to express our enthusiasm with, with everyone. Just, I would say, just don't get too attached to your own, uh, your own vision that you fail to take into account other people's viewpoints. Um, Tuesday, the moon is going to be moving from its exaltation in Taurus to the sign of Gemini, where it loses some dignity at 11.47 a.m. So it's a very fertile day on Monday. I would take advantage of that fertility to, to put some things into motion with a very positive moon there. Um, and it's going to be a little bit more challenging as the moon uh, starts to move into its uh, bondage, okay, when it moves into the bond when it is within 15 degrees opposite the sun. 
So here you see right here on Tuesday, towards the evening, the moon is going to be under the bond within 15 degrees of the opposition, where it is definitely in a weakened position according to the to the traditional authors. Um, this is kind of like very similar to being under the, the the beams of the sun where you know it was getting burned up by all that heat uh, and maybe some of the significations were going underground or behind the scenes are very hidden uh, it is going to be um, making an applying aspect to mercury towards the afternoon though i think slightly before it goes under the bond so you can see here at about two degrees it's going to be making an applying opposition to mercury so there may be some kind of conversation that needs to happen out in the open before it goes, that moon goes, you know, underground, so to speak. Uh, and it may be a challenging conversation. Just be very careful around this time frame on Tuesday to um, uh, get your good listening ears open and, you know, take some time before, you know, spouting off too enthusiastically. Um, this opposition is something we're going to be working through towards for for the entire week. This Mercury, um, Gemini kind of lunar opposition is going to be kind of giving us a little bit of a uh, a taste of what that full moon is going to be about. And um, you know, this is kind of the trying to to balance out some of the details uh, of our life with with the visionary quality. And there may be some confusion with that because a lot of times when we have uh, a plan that we want to enact and we, we want to take some action, but we've got, we've really got to make sure that we're paying attention to all of the little things that need to happen for it to become a reality. And that may, there may be some tension with that uh, over the course of this week. And we'll, we'll dive into that with the tarot a little bit uh, when we get to Thursday. Before I get more into that though, on Wednesday, the 12th, I'm sorry, the 11th, uh, the moon is still going to be in Gemini in its waxing gibbous phase. The gibbous phase was associated with analyzing and perfecting before the big reveal. So we may be really kind of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't uh, in the enactment of our plan. And there may be kind of a, you know, taking stock before we really move forward and see the fruits of our labors. Um, the big aspect of Wednesday is Venus making a conjunction with Saturn at 5.04 a.m. So we're gonna feel this moving late, late Tuesday into very early Wednesday. Uh, and this aspect, you can see here, you know, Venus at 18 degrees is going to be conjoining Saturn at 19 degrees, perfecting uh, very early on Wednesday. Um, and this may be, uh, require a very sober conversation with you in your relationships, with any Venus ruled part of your chart, uh, up on my screen here, I have a Gemini ascendant. So Venus would be ruling um, the fifth house of children, of how you take pleasure, of entertainment, of your creative self-expression, and the twelfth house of secret enemies, of like uh, self-undoing and things like that. So uh, if I were to be giving advice to a Gemini person at this point, um, this Saturn Venus conjunction is happening in the eighth house of shared resources. So there may be some kind of issue uh, where per perhaps you're overdoing it with pleasure spending or with, um, you know, pursuing pleasure through, I don't know if it could be through partying or something like that. And maybe you're, you're spending too much and your partner's like, hey, you're going to the bar too often and coming home, you know, a little too tipsy. You need to 
sober up a little bit. Uh, that could be one kind of manifestation of this. Um, or we've got to tighten the purse strings and you can't go on that, you know, uh, that vacation you want or something like that. You know, anytime we have a, c a combination with Saturn, there's going to be a, a no involved. So try not to get too bent out of shape if there's a constructive no that needs to happen. Um, this, is a, this is an opportunity for you to really uh, get in touch with um, accepting that we are uh, in this body and we have limitations and things like that. Um, this could also be a time when you're committing to something. Like perhaps uh, Venus is is running right into the, the planet of, of time and endurance and saying, you know what, it's actually just time that we commit to this and that we really just make this real. So this could be a conversation where you finally put the label on the relationship or you say, yeah, we actually are in a relationship. Here's our title. Uh, we're committing to this for the long term uh, in a very practical way. Um, the conjunction is going to be happening in the second decan of Capricorn where we see the three of pentacles, where people are making a plan, uh, where they are discussing how they're going to build into the future, where they're making long range plans. Um, Austin Cobbett calls it the pyramid. So we're building a, a structure that is going to last. So this may be a moment where you're, you're creating something, you know, related to the uh, Libra or Taurus world area of your chart. And it's going to be birthing through the birth channel of Capricorn. Okay. So those two things are, are players in, in the narrative, but it's birthing through that Capricorn channel. And it may be something that you're trying to build or let go of potentially. Uh, they're two s s similar sides of the same coin, um, but we're, we're thinking about endurance. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good time to, to maybe um, figure out your values and what your enduring values are as well. Because, you know, Venus... Uh, is associated with what we desire, what we value, and uh, we may have to make some shifts with that and figure out what stays and what goes with our values as well. Um, so that's going to be Wednesday. Um, the last aspect of that day is the moon making a square to Neptune uh, in the evening at about 5.12 p.m. with Gemini uh, to Pisces. So there may be a lot of uh, there could be some anxiety that's starting to happen within the thought processes. The second decan of, of Gemini is associated with the nine of, of swords, um, which is a the nightmare card, basically, where you're, you have so many options that you're you know, up awake at night with, with anxiety. Um, I have a theory that I may be you know, putting into some sort of lecture at some point where uh, an exploration, really, I don't know, with, with the, um, the signs of the zodiac and the tarot being associated with the actual uh, house placements in the Thema Mundi. And then the Thema Mundi, which has Cancer rising, that would place Gemini in the 12th house of self-undoing and of limitation, the joy of Saturn. And we see in those tarot cards, the, the 8, 9, and 10 of swords, uh, you know, figures that are, you know, bound, that are having mental anguish, and are lying prostrate on the ground uh, in defeat. And all of those things, I think, reflect some themes with the 12th house too. So this may be something where your, your mind is just running circles, and you have to kind of uh, try to get a, a grip on it and say, you know what, this may just be 
uh, a, an anxiety from having too many options. And one of the things that I can do, or you can do, is make a choice. Uh, a lot of the times we just keep going back and forth on things and, you know, that's what's really creating the anxiety. And sometimes when we commit to a choice, whether it ends up being the right one or the wrong one, that can actually, we, sometimes we get to the same place, whether we make the right decision or the wrong decision. Maybe, you know, it may just take us a little longer if we make the wrong one. Um, but eventually, if we realize our error, we can, we'll come back around to the decision that was the correct one all along. So I would encourage you to, instead of, you know, endlessly deliberating, uh, just make a choice. You know, see, see what you can do to, uh, you know, move forward in your life. I've been working through this myself as I have a number of 12th house placements, including my son and Mercury, and I get very indecisive about things. And I was sharing this in, in uh, the class that I take with a number of astrologers when we were studying charts and a chart that was very similar to my own came up and a client was, uh, another student was asking how to help this client. And I offered up kind of my own personal journey of, you know, trying to monitor uh, my own mental health and things like that. I think with the 12th house, we can see uh, it's, it was called the house of the bad diamond or the bad spirit. And this is where we get pulled off of our course, potentially by our own, our own thought processes. And, you know, definitely can, can attest to that um, being, being true in my own experience. And I think that the thing that you have to do is, recognize that thoughts are just thoughts and they're not necessarily reflective of your reality. And I had a, another student of mine actually who made the observation that maybe potentially the, the remedy for 12th house maladies is to potentially take an action and just to get out of your own head and do something physical. Whereas if you have some sort of accident or illness in the sixth house, perhaps the, the remedy for that is to slow down and go internal and, and you know, take less external action and rest. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And, and uh, uh, it's been serving me fairly well lately. Um, you know, sometimes we just have to take an action and live with the consequences. And that's, that's way better than just living in this state of limbo. And I think that's really important this week is we may just feel like in this limbo. And that may be really what's causing our suffering rather than, you know, the mistake itself or, or just any action. It may end up not being a mistake. It may end up being a good move, but you'd never be able to embrace it or manifest it if you didn't just take the leap. So something to consider as we move into this kind of uh, Gemini uh, full moon. All right, I'm going to move over to Thursday here. So let's talk more about the full moon in depth here. The full moon is going to be happening at 12 12 a.m so very early in the morning on thursday at of, of 12 12 there's lots of 12s going on with this 12 12 a.m on on december 12th 12 12 uh, maybe there's some kind of uh theme with that uh just off the top of my head the number 12 was associated with the hanged man in the tarot um which was about reversing a perspective so potentially there maybe there is something in your life um, where you may be experiencing a need to shift a perspective and have a flexibility and to uh, be careful also though not to martyr yourself. Um, you could see that the figure was hanging upside down on a cross 
and potentially seeing the world from an alternate perspective. So, you know, it speaks to potentially the need to alter uh, a thought process that maybe uh, that you may normally fit into to, to, to move forward in your life. Um, interesting. Yeah. That was just something that, that, you know, thinking about the twelves. Also, uh, the moon is going to be moving as, as I was saying through the, the second decan of Gemini, which is represented by the nine of swords and opposing the sun in the second decan, which is represented by the nine of wands. Now in the tarot, the minor arcana of the tarot, we definitely see some opposite type of themes when we see cards that represent elemental opposites uh, in, in astrology. So we have swords and wands being uh, opposite one another, uh, representing air and fire signs respectively. And here we have a card that's associated with a nightmare, with despair, uh, being in opposition with a figure that is holding his ground who has potentially had an injury, but he's saying, okay, I've, I've still got the energy to continue to fight. That, that, that card was called great strength or strength in the book of Toth or book T. Uh, and we see here, um, you know, doing some research in, in, in Austin Coppock's book, we have the, you know, it's associated with the centaur and the unification of disparate elements in order to achieve a goal. Uh, that's a quote from Austin's book that is going to be uh, reissued in the coming months, hopefully in the in the early part of 2020. Uh, if, if I'm correct on that, I think it was delayed a little bit, but I, I feel like he's finishing that up. An awesome book, I really recommend it. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, have a um, oh I don't know a, a uh, what is the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not gonna be one of the only ones that has the book. So once once it comes out, you can buy it and then be able to read and, and get benefit from all of that wisdom as well. Um, so this is really about the alignment of the body with our intentions and really like, you know, taking that idea and putting it into manifest form and having the tenacity and courage and the will to move towards that desire. And I think that, that what the themes of this full moon are be, going to be is, is just really trying to overcome some of the doubt or the self-doubt or the uh, feeling of overwhelm with actually moving towards that, that chosen goal. And this is something that we may be, may be coming up, uh, you know, early Thursday, late Wednesday, as we move towards that full moon. Um, along with this, we're going to see Mercury opposite the moon here, right? So we've got the, the full moon is opposite its host. So that's an interesting condition. Uh, it is making contact with its host, which is generally an open, an open line of communication, um, which is better than if there wasn't an open line. Uh, but we may be able to come to uh, achieve our goals, but it's, it's not going to be without some kind of conflict, though, because of the opposition there to the host. Oppositions were of the nature of Saturn, so there may be something where we have to work within a limit. Uh, maybe the goal that we manifest is, a, is not as expansive as we would have hoped. Maybe we have to work within a compromise, potentially, to our vision to, to take maybe the first step towards the goal. Um, yeah, don't get attached to getting, you know, every part of the, every piece of the pie, like take the first step 
and then let it unfold naturally. I think if you're able to take the first step without, you know, insisting on winning the whole war, if you win a battle, you don't have to win the whole war. Um, that will give you the strength to continue to fight and maybe the inspiration to continue moving towards the goal rather than having to achieve it all at once. All right. Uh, this is a culmination of the new moon that we experienced at four degrees of Sagittarius on November the 26th. So if you're doing a little bit of uh, reflecting, like the full moon does, uh, go back to the November 26th and see what kind of things you were initiating around that time or what kind of things were cropping up in your life, what kind of divine assignments you were being given, and you may see some themes of that coming to fruition. Um, let's see. The second decan of Gemini was also uh, associated with uh, opposites and balancing opposites and having a, a multiplicity of options. So as I said before, sometimes it's easier just to make a choice rather than to stay in that limbo of having too many things going on. Um, other, op other aspects of the day, at 10.33 p.m., after the moon moves into Cancer, uh, moon's gonna move into Cancer about 6.23 p.m., and then make an opposition in the evening to Jupiter and Capricorn. So this is the first time that, that the moon is going to be making an opposition to Jupiter, newly ingressed into Capricorn. So we may see some new, new themes associated with uh, in the Cancer-Capricorn area of your chart, potentially with some benefits. Uh, generally, when we've been experiencing Cancer moons, it's just been these tough conversations with uh, the malefic Saturn there and, and Pluto, another you know, difficult planet uh, where we're having to let go of things. This may give us a little bit of relief, I think, with, you know, feeling like we are having at least one planet in there, uh, you know, in addition to Venus this week too. Um, I forgot about that. Basically, we have both benefics hanging out there, you know, trying to help. Um, so we may have, it's, it's going to be a mixed bag. I don't think that these things cancel each other out. Um, from what I understand, uh, you will have good things that happen and then you'll have limitations that happen. So there's, there's, you know, and I've experienced this with having a, a mix of benefics and malefics in my own second house of resources. There are times when some very good things happen and some times when some very bad things happen. And it's not like they're canceling each other out. It's just kind of like, you know, you take the good with the bad kind of thing. Um, and that may be what we're experiencing with this cancer moon where we may be having some nice contacts that are happening even through the opposition. Some authors disagree as to whether the hard aspects with benefics are positive, but there are quite a few that still think that we can uh, glean some benefit from that. Um, but there, it may come through some effort. I think that's the thing. Like, benefics still may bring good things into our life, but there may through maybe through some extra effort that we need to make uh, at the end of Thursday. Um, the moon is also going to be making a sextile to retrograde Uranus in Taurus. So igniting that, that desire to change and potentially uh, kind of shining some light on the ongoing Jupiter-Uranus trine that is perfecting towards the end of the week. Um, this is a week where we're you know, really starting to put, put things into form, where a lot of our ideas are starting to coalesce and manifest into the, the very practical, earthy world of form. Uh, since we have the, the trine from Jupiter in an earth sign, Capricorn, the cardinal earth sign of Capricorn, where we initiate 
material things. And then coming in contact with the fertile ground of Taurus, which, which Uranus is hanging out in and has been uh, for quite some time and will be for another few years. Um, you know, really helping us break out of some of the limitations in that area of our life and some of the, the old material structures that we may be hanging on to. Okay, so Friday the 13th, um, moon will be in Cancer still in the full moon phase where we're kind of seeing the, you know, the fruition of, of, of our goals coming to light of whatever the karmic seed that was planted at the beginning of the new moon starting to manifest. Uh, and we have a couple of non-lunar aspects this week or this day that are pretty important. Uh, the first one is Mars. Let me, let me look at the chart here. I haven't really been showing you what's going on here on the chart. So there you see the full moon happening as the sun and the moon come into opposition on late Wednesday, early Thursday, okay, at 19 degrees, if you want to get a better idea of what this looks like. And then on Thursday, we're seeing the, the uh, opposition, okay, there you go, of the moon and Jupiter, all right, and then the trine here of, I'm sorry, the sextile of the moon and Uranus. All right, and then we'll move forward into Friday, and the, at 6.56 a.m., we are seeing a trine of Mars in the second decan of Scorpio at about 15 degrees, making an exact trine to Neptune in Pisces. Okay, so let's unpack this one. This is part also of a grand water trine with the moon. So we're seeing three areas of our life working intuitively together with one another, um, flowing in a very emotional uh, kind of cooperation with one another, uh, and potentially bringing some interesting things to light uh, in a very kind of harmonious relationship with one another. Now, Mars trine Neptune. Uh, this, I, I've been drawing upon a, a really cool book that I like that was recommended to me by my uh, astrology teacher. Uh, this is called The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler. Um, and he speaks about having spiritual vitality, uh, feelings, uh, uh, which could be um, also manifest as spiritual ambition. Uh, there is the quality of potentially the negative side of this is a feeling of pointlessness or futility. Sometimes Neptune can kind of you know, sap our motivation or drain our strength or dissolve our motivation. So we have a dissolving quality with Neptune coming in contact with the willpower. You know, the positive side of this, though, is that our will could start to be connected with some kind of higher purpose. And we may be trying to take actions that serve are in service of our higher self. So that's, that could be something that could be very interesting, too. We may be taking an action, though, that is also very idealized at this time. Uh, we may be on a crusade of some sort. Um, I think that the best way to to use this energy is the concept of effortless mastery. There's this book that I like uh, that was written by a jazz piano player called Effortless Mastery, and it was about uh, being in the flow state and being in the moment. Uh, it was about practicing to the point where those whatever you were practicing 
became your instincts. And then in the, in the performance aspect of it, letting go and letting the instincts take over. So this could be a time where you are experiencing a flow state, where you potentially are engaging in enlightened non-action, where you release your striving and just allow things to happen. Um, if you are comparing it to uh, some sort of martial art, this could be like a keto where you're you know, moving gently out of the way and using the energy that is presented to you, or Tai Chi where you're moving with the flow of events. Um, it's also, it was described in Ren Butler's book uh, as being closely associated with the concept of Wu Wei, which was a, a Taoist, um, that was how the Taoists considered the, the flow of the universe and kind of the natural way of things, uh, where we were just going with, with nature and not trying to resist it. So this is something that's going to be happening on Friday the 13th as part of that grand, wa grand water trine with the moon. And the moon being a part of this is, it's very fast moving, but it's going to be activating this even more intensely. The moon's an activator. The moon brings things into being. So maybe look for the, those two um, planetary uh, placements in, in Scorpio and Pisces, respectively, to be channeling that energy into the cancer-ruled area of your chart via the moon, okay? Like bringing it into form in that cancer area ruled of your chart. So that's something that you can look for in your own chart. Uh, in the uh, later morning, Venus is going to be making a conjunction, as you can see right here, with Pluto in Capricorn. So this is also part of the theme of the day. And Venus is going through some stuff this week. This is, this is like a little bit of a, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess you could call it a come to Jesus moment, right? Where you're kind of, you know, getting a reality check within relationships. You're coming to terms with what is going on, the reality of it. You're getting sober uh, within the relationship. You're learning about the limitations of it. You may be coming face to face with some of the uglier parts of it that you don't like. And perhaps the, the tough conversations that you had in the beginning of the week when Venus was conjoining Saturn may be a catalyst for a regenerative quality that we may have when Pluto uh, conjoins with Venus. Um, this could trigger some very intense feelings that are bubbling up from the underworld, Pluto associated with the underworld with like the nuclear power of things. Uh, I, I like to think of it as the volcano and the volcanic lava that is brewing underneath the surface. Um, we could think about this as the power of love uh, or the love of power. We could go both ways with it. Uh, so we could get a ruthless ambition associated with, with Venus too uh, and Pluto together. Um, Remember, Saturn's still co-present with this arrangement, so there's definitely a, a, a slowing down quality that is still happening, even as you know, Venus is separating from, from Saturn. Uh, we may be um, having some sort of obsession uh, in the Capricorn-ruled area of our chart. There may be a jealousy or a possessiveness uh, associated in that you know, functional uh, house as well. Um, some of the underworld themes that were discussed with Ren Butler. I love this book. He, he gives you all these wonderful meditations 
about how the aspect is going to, or the combination, the planetary combination is going to manifest. And then he gives you these very practical mythological stories and, and like, you know, images for integration. And he talks about underworld themes like Persephone, where the, you know, Persephone was the, the maiden that, that spent half, the, was basically tricked into spending half the year with Pluto or Hades in the underworld and has to go back and forth and there was you know themes of manipulation and of power and power and control struggles um so that may be kind of something to meditate on is the myth of persephone leda and the swan is another one where zeus came down and and um transformed himself into a swan and you know basically forcefully mated with leda uh you know raped leda and and you know from that that mating, that forcible mating was hatched the egg that eventually was uh, born Helen of Troy out of, uh, birthed Helen of Troy. Um, so out of something very intense and violent came something very beautiful. Of course, Helen of Troy was the woman that was so beautiful that, you know, men went to war over her. And, you know, she, uh, you know, married this king I have a song about it, so I did some a little bit of research back in the day, uh, where she was married to the king, and but then you know caught the fancy of this prince from another country and like uh, ran away with him, and and the king went to war and vowed to kill her for her in, indiscretion, for her cheating ways. But then when he finally found her, he couldn't do it because she was just too beautiful. Uh, I thought that was an interesting story. Um, also, the, the story of Medusa, you know, where we have something very powerful but very dangerous. Medusa, of course, is a very beautiful maiden that um, lured away, uh, I believe, the husband of a powerful goddess and then was punished and, and sent into basically the underworld um, for her transgressions. So some of those themes could come up as well. Uh, so something to keep an eye on. But how, do, how would we use this effectively? How, do, how would we... Um, observe this effectively. Uh, be willing to be changed by, by what comes up. Be willing to uh, be realistic about what is going on in your relationships and be willing to make a shift. You know, when we stubbornly get attached to one way of doing things, that's, that's when we really get into the, the conflicting situation. So we have to be willing to go into the, the depths, bring out whatever treasure we can, release any corruption that we find there, and then move forward into maybe, hopefully, a rebirth. All right. So the moon is also going to be making a trine to Neptune that day, as I talked about with the Grand Water Trine. So that's going to be, you know, I, I wonder also if this kind of thing where there is a concept in the medieval astrology called the transfer of light. And, you know, the moon is going to be making a trine first to Neptune and then a trine to uh, Mars. So I wonder if this, and I don't know this for sure, but maybe there is a gathering of, you know, Neptunian idealism, and then we're putting it into action as, as the moon carries that light over to uh, Mars. Now, the only flaw I could see in this theory is that I don't know if Neptune actually has any light. It's not a visible planet. So that was one of the problems with well, that's not a problem. It's just one of the realities of outer planets versus, you know, traditional visible planets. So 
I don't know if that concept necessarily works when you have a planet that isn't actually visible, but worth, worth thinking about, uh, about taking that idealized notion of things and then t putting it into action with Mars there. Okay. Let's get to our weekend. There's a lot of things to cover this week. On Saturday, the 14th, the moon is going to be in Cancer, but moving into Leo at the very end of the day, around 11 p.m., still working through that full moon phase, if we're using the eight-fold moon phase, where we are getting kind of a, uh, you know, things are coming to light, coming into being, coming into form, manifesting. Saturday looks like a tougher day. Uh, we've got all the idealism of that grand water trine on Friday that is going to be meeting with cold, hard reality on Saturday, uh, where Saturn is, or the moon is going to be separating from all those beautiful benefics, Venus and uh, like, um, well, actually, if I do it in order, the moon is going to be making an opposition first to Saturn at 4.32 a.m., an opposition to Pluto at 8.47 a.m., and then the opposition to Venus at about 11 a.m. So we may be going through this kind of, you know, feeling of limitation within our relationships, uh, family and domestic considerations, public versus career type of actions, flow versus structure, um, an erratic path versus climbing the mountain uh, step by step. That may be something where we're trying to uh, figure out whether we need to commit to, to the goal that we have decided on. Uh, in a very straightforward ma manner, or if we need to make adjustments, if we need to, because remember, cancer moves in a slightly erratic path, two steps forward, one step back type of thing, or side to side instead of Capricorn, which is slowly climbing its way up the mountain. Um, so yeah, the morning, some tough conversations that may need to happen within the, the relationship. All right. Uh, on Sunday, the mood may lighten a little bit. After the difficult morning of Saturday, uh, we may, we're going to have a moon that is in Leo beginning the disseminating phase where we're going to be able to, whoops, I knocked over my water bottle, where we may be able to start to glean some of the lessons of the, uh, the full moon and start to distribute some of the ideas that came to light and put them into, into action and into motion. And it's kind of like we've we were able to eat the fruit uh, as it has ripened um, and maybe share it with others. Uh, hence the disseminating and the, the giving forth. This is when the moon starts to distribute its light. It starts to wane. So we've been building, 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 and then at the full moon, we do the shift to waning, which is the moon is giving light off, okay? All right, so now with the sun, uh, with the, I'm sorry, on Sunday, the 15th, Moon in Leo, the moon is going to be making a square very early in the morning to Uranus and Taurus at two degrees. So this is kind of the initiation in our day and that is also going to be seeing, I'm going to bring it up on the chart here. So there is our, all of our opposition aspects on Saturday. And then we have, uh, I'm going to move this back so we see it, at about two degrees. There we go. We see an op, a, uh, I'm sorry, a square with Uranus and Taurus. And then we see the trine of Jupiter to Uranus. 
So we've got three players in this, in this aspect here. And this is an aspect um, that has been building for a few weeks. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, Jupiter trine Uranus. And then we'll bring in the, the temporary aspect of, of the moon square Uranus. That's, it's not as big of a deal. Uh, it may be something where we have to consider it as part of the ongoing story, but it's, it's just part of a bigger narrative. Um, and the bigger narrative of Jupiter trying Uranus, which, which perfects at 2 p.m. on Sunday, is dramatic breakthroughs, quantum leaps, uh, sudden and unexpected uh, openings, promotion, pr Promethean themes, uh, gifts from the gods. Uh, it also began associate with hubris. We may get a little bit too high on our horse and, and have a, a humbling that comes through. But for, for the most part, this could be like a lucky break that happens, uh, some kind of earthly innovation. This is, this is a, an aspect that is um, uh, magnifying all of the, the Uranian, in, Uranian themes we've been experiencing in Taurus for quite some time. So it's just making those things bigger. It may be a, a, a very pivotal moment in that Uranian story that we've been living for the last year and some change. Um, this may be the, the, the moment of yes. Uh, Jupiter is the, is the cosmic yes, right? Uh, but, but the flip side of that is that Jupiter is in Saturn's um, domicile. And it may be a yes that comes through a no. <laughs> like I know that, you know, we're double speaking there, but, but remember when I talked about the phone bill, I got a yes because I said no to the, the, the excessive company that was, you know, felt very oppressive and I let it go. And I said, okay, I'm going to say maybe yes to something uh, less. And, you know, maybe it doesn't have exactly all the features of the other thing, but do I really need those other things? Probably not. So maybe you're experiencing a, a big breakthrough through figuring out what really needs to stay and what really needs to go and working very hard for it. Um, this could be some kind of uh, eureka moment. You may have a moment of ge genius or brilliance. Uh, something to consider with this, though, is we still have Jupiter hanging out with Saturn, Pluto, Venus, and the South Node, though. So uh, even though this is a very expansive and innovative type of uh, placement and trine, uh, there is definitely a quality of closure, uh, coming to terms with something, um, maybe with potentially letting something go, but, but that letting go, creating the liberation. Um, I think that's the big thing, is, is how can we let go of what isn't serving us anymore? You, you would be surprised. I, actually, maybe you aren't surprised. Maybe you really feel this. I know for me personally, when I finally let go of something that's been weighing on my shoulders, I just feel so light. I feel so enthusiastic. It's like my will to live comes back. And this is a fairly uh, normal occurrence for me because I get very indecisive about things. And, and when you get indecisive, you tend to procrastinate. And when you procrastinate, you just feel the weight of all the things that you haven't done. And that's just very painful. It's a lot of suffering. When I finally do them and get out of that, you know, indecision cycle. It's just such a, a burden lifted. And I, I have a feeling that this could be that kind of feeling too, where we just feel a burden that we've been dealing with, just, just lifted. And we feel lighter because we got rid of something that was weighing us down. I think that's really the genius quality with this uh, Jupiter Uranus trine. Um, it may also be just very supportive of your, your new way of doing something. 
um, this is a time to really embrace the new and to, uh, you know, you've let go of that old pattern. You finally, hopefully completed that. And now it's time to have a, a new expression based on your current reality rather than, than a past reality you may have been holding on to that was no longer a, a true expression of who and what you are. And that is a pretty, uh, that's going to be a very powerful moment, I think, this week. Now, if we just bring in some of the other little things that are happening with the moon making a square at roughly the same time, there may be some challenges coming up with um, your sense of pride, your sense of identity. Um, maybe there is something that is, uh, you know, you're trying to put on a new persona or you're trying to be something new and that it comes into conflict with, with someone or something. Um, you're trying to weigh a new way of being and, and you know, maybe that triggers uh, a strange response in someone. Um, a lot of the times when we are making changes, that can make other people feel either threatened or insecure. Um, but, you know, the new is scary. Uh, a lot of the times human beings don't really react really well to new things in their life. <laughs> like, and sometimes they put people in categories and they see them in a certain way. And when they make a big change or a big shift, that can be a little intimidating. I know in, in my own experience, my astrology teacher, um, the, the astrologer formerly known as Adam Ellenbos recently got initiated uh, into the Bhakti Yoga tradition as a monk and changed his name. And uh, I'm sure that, that that may be something that like he experiences if, with his new name and people making an adjustment to his new identity and things like that. And it may feel like a very liberating experience for him, but maybe he comes into contact. I don't know. I'm just making conjecture here. Uh, so if he's watching this, if you're watching this, buddy, like maybe just maybe a family member is like, I don't get it or something like that. And that's a very real uh, an example of how that could be a possibility or something like that. Um, but it's a passing thing. I think that's the thing that that uh, that I think with this moon square is the moon is a very transitory type of thing. And maybe that is just one conflict that is happening that will. Uh, eventually, people will get used to it. They'll get used to the new norm. They'll get used to the new names. They'll get used to the new identities that all of us are trying to to put on and bring into being. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's your life and it's your identity and it's your um, your journey. And you've got to be the one that that looks yourself in the mirror and is comfortable with it. And it's not really about what other people think, because really what other people think is about them. This is one of those four agreement moments where, um, remember, don't make assumptions. Uh, it's not about you. Like what people, sometimes when people are reacting, it's really about their own belief systems and their own preconceived notions about things. And that can really be, that can be another liberating factor is where you realize that you know, somebody's opinion is, is based on their own experiences and their own beliefs. And it, it, you may be triggering that, but it, it may not be a reflection of who you are and, and what you do. It may be just that that expression is bringing up something in them to be dealt with. And that may be something we're experiencing with this Jupiter Uranus trine with the moon kind of making a transitory square from Leo. 
Okay. So the last aspect of the week is the moon making a trine to Mercury at 3.18 p.m. at 9 degrees of Leo and Sagittarius. So, you know, after we go through this aha moment and then we deal with the, the fallout, you know, of, uh, you know, our new, our new way of being, uh, we may have a fruitful conversation in the afternoon and have a new sense of hope and moving towards a, a long cherished goal and our new sense of, of movement in our life. Um, you know, with remember we talked about Mercury being uh, a new in the first decan of Sagittarius moving towards the goal. Now, I would just caution you that um, instead of being like, instead of after that conversation where you're like, well, I did it and I don't care what anybody else thinks, and then being like, um, this is my new truth and now you have to believe what I believe, uh, I think it's better just to have. Uh, more of an internal satisfaction where you don't necessarily have to to evangelize um, your new way of being because uh, that could be a danger. Remember when I talked about that with Mercury and Sagittarius is where, you know, it's okay to just have the peace of mind that you maybe you are doing the new thing and not have to make everyone else be like you. So that's, that's something that just to think about towards the end of the week. Okay, I think that's all we've got. Uh, looking ahead to next week, we have a last quarter moon on the 18th. Um, Mars is going to be making a sextile to Saturn. Mercury will be squaring Neptune. Uh, a couple planetary ingresses next week. We have uh, Venus moving into Saturn's other domicile of Aquarius on the 20th. And then the winter solstice as the moon, or I'm sorry, the sun moves into the uh, sign of Capricorn, the cardinal earth sign of Capricorn, where we experience the return of the light, where the days start to get uh, longer again, um, where the, it, you know, they're not going to be longer than the night, but the, the light is going to start increasing. Uh, and then at the end of the week, we'll have a Venus square to Uranus and a Mars sextiling Pluto. All right. So that's what I've got for the week. Thank you for hanging out with me here. And uh, I will see you the next time. Take care.